1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Thanks for joining us, my friend. You're listening to 88.9 Moody Radio, and this is Mornings with Tom and Tobby. And you picked a great time to listen because Susie Larson is joining us. She's, of course, a best-selling author, national speaker, host of the popular radio show Susie Larson Live, and she likes me best. So it's really great to have you with us, Susie. <laughs> you nailed it. So good to be back with you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, I love the title of this book, Waking Up to the Goodness of God. And we want to awaken every morning to God's goodness. But instead, sometimes we're living life like we're bracing for impact. And that's a phrase you use. And when did you become aware that you were living your adult life in this way? Boy, it's a great question. You know, I think I feel like I, I discovered it in layers, but I will say the most significant kind of revelation around it. And you and I have talked about this before. But I've had a three-decade-long battle with Lyme disease, and about eight years ago, I had a pretty massive relapse. And apparently people with chronic Lyme can uh, also have a hard time processing mold, and I had an unknowing repeated exposure to black mold that uh, impacted my brain. I was writing a book at that time. I'm on live radio. My tongue was going numb. My head was going numb, uh, bone-crushing, headaches and dizziness, and I would be pacing the floor at night begging God to either kill me or heal me because mm. I just didn't think I had the bandwidth to survive it. But I was still getting up in the morning, spending time with the Lord. I loved him. I was, you know, doing my work as unto him. But it was a friend, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. It was a friend who lovingly and carefully said, you know, <clears throat> I know you're walking through a tough time, but you're bracing for impact. And you're, you're you know, and I thought, I and I was, I didn't feel defensive at all. I was very tender bite. But when her words got into my soul, I knew there was more to it than just sort of the predictable uh, result of a disease. I literally thought, well, yeah, that is true. I'm, I'm constantly waiting for the tattoo to drop, but that's because of how unpredictable these symptoms are. But as I sat with the Lord, I'm like, is there more? He really showed me that underneath all of my work and hard work of trying to overcome the health battle was a mistrust of God and a hurt that he allowed it. And uh, he just spoke to my heart, Tabi, and he said, you know, we don't default positions of faith, hope, and love. You don't default to those things. You default to fear, anxiety, worry. And I knew that that was true, not just for me, but for mankind, because the weight of sin, the gravity of our culture, it's always pulling our gaze downward. And when I started to think about what it might mean to imprint his loving kindness on my heart, I realized that I had to really blaze some new neural pathways in my brain. So I started to really apply myself to it, because I think I said this last time I was on your show, every day 
the devil's trying to bait us into either, you know, accusing God or accusing ourselves. He wants us living constantly under condemnation. And we have that choice every day. Am I going to trust God or am I going to accuse him of things that should the devil's guilty of? Mm-hmm. So as I really, really started to apply myself to, Lord, you're good, even when I can't see it, when I can't sense it. Something started to change inside me, really to the point where my husband's like, your eyes look different. You're carrying yourself different. And I had gone to great lengths to get well. I I have great doctors. I'm a fighter. I eat well. I exercise. I know the scripture. I can't tell you. I want to live. But I don't know that anything has really healed my physiology even, uh, like imprinting God's loving kindness on my heart. So mm. this book was really born out of that. And and I, that, that phrase, imprinting his loving kindness, comes from the scriptures of what the Israelites didn't do. I think it's Psalm 106, verse 7, or 107, verse 6. It's one of those. But it says that they failed to realize the impact of God's miracles. They stopped marveling at his mercies, and they didn't imprint his loving kindness on their hearts. Mm. And because they, they it was their captivity was so baked in to them that any hardship that came, they went into a mode of accusing God, not expecting good things from him. So this book is really an offering to God as I kind of came out the other side and realized you have to really practice a mindset of anticipating God's goodness. But when you do, it changes everything. Wow. wow. Her name is Susie Larson. Just being raw and open and honest as to what the motivations behind this book was and what is going on in her life. And and Susie, um, you had talked about that and you lived your life in such a way, kind of bracing for impact. But then you also talk about um, being able to get to the point where you can live in a holy expectancy, but it's not an expectancy that God's going to do something terrible to you. It's maybe an expectancy of what he can do as you lean in to him instead of lean away from him. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, I'm so glad you asked about that, because I hope nobody hears me say this is like a name it, claim it. Just hope for good things to pretend the bad things don't exist. <laughs> but I want to say that God's intent for goodness is far greater than the enemy's intent for badness. Uh, God's desire and intention to bring gladness to your heart is far weightier than the enemy's intent to bring sadness to your heart. And so we're not like hoping in an outcome. We're hoping in the God of outcomes. And he is the one, whatever he allows, he redeems. And what, you know, conversely, what the enemy is constantly trying to get us to do is to consider what God has allowed, the hard things God has allowed in our lives. In his process of building a case against God, then he gets us to, to project those fears into a future that God's not in. Like he wants us to imagine if he allowed this, how much worse is he going to allow? And then we imagine a future that God's not in. Where Mm. in fact, when we even look at our history, we've seen his mercy everywhere. I mean, what he allows, he redeems. And I got to tell you, as I've been practicing this and really studying scripture, understanding the character of God, it's the only way we can walk in the confidence of God is if we know the God of the Bible. In this particular book, my sister was one of my sample readers, and she read a line in there that she that surprised her. But what I'd said in there somewhere was, you know, all these years of battling, um, I, I finally don't feel like I've lost anything. I feel like I've gained so much more because as I've walked with God, I've seen how he's redeemed everything the enemy has tried to steal from me, that I feel richer now. I, I'm wiser to the enemy's schemes. I, I know God more. I know his word more. And so truly none of it has been wasted on me. And so when I talk about living with holy expectancy, it's with the heart that says, yes, we live behind enemy lines. The enemy is going to get his blows in. 
He is going to steal from us at times, but there is a way to minimize collateral damage, and it's truly understanding I am tethered to a good God, and if he allows it, he will redeem it. But I am telling you, if you have a narrative in your life around your story that's killing you or weakening you, you need to pay attention to that because no one can change that except for you. But if the story you're telling yourself about your story is literally weakening you, exhausting you, depressing you, you're literally standing on a faulty platform. You're not standing on in the true identity that Christ has designed for you. But as we come into the fullness of, my God is good, his promises are true. He will always make a way for me. You speak that over your life, Mm -hmm. literally, there's a physiological reaction, a chemical reaction in your body when your heart and mind agree with God. You picked a great time to listen to Mornings with Tom and Tommy because our guest right now is Susie Larson. She's sharing from her heart. She's sharing from her life. She's sharing from her latest book, Waking Up to the Goodness of God. And Susie Larson, so good to have you with us again on Mornings with Tom and Tommy. Always so honored to get any time with you guys. So thank you. Thank you. And Susie, you know, you've been sharing so openly about your life and about this transformation. And you give really practical ways for us to do this as well. And you have something called a faith declaration and a brain retrain in everyday's uh, prayers in this in this devotional. Talk to us about this. You know, in the first part of the relapse that happened for me, the health relapse eight, nine years ago, it it was so terrifying. The symptoms were really, it honestly felt like I was living with a gun to my head, like I was having stroke-like symptoms um, regularly. And it was just, and fear was just a companion for me. And I remember Mm. learning about the brain because also there was, the MRI showed um, some places in my brain that were deeply impacted by the mold. And as a live radio host, I was forgetting words as an author. I was forgetting how to spell very basic words. And you you need your brain to do life, right? And mm-hmm. I, I, it was so scary. And I started to study the brain and learned how fearfully and wonderfully made we were. And I remember back then, God just thundered in my heart and said, I want you to practice a zero tolerance policy on fear. Put a road close sign to fear, even if it feels like you have legitimate reason for fear. And as I studied that, I realized if I can make it 40 days without entertaining any fear, even though these things are battering me upside my head, um, if I can have a narrative, a brain retrain phrase uh, that I replace that fear with, because, you know, fear is a spirit and it's not from God. God's Mm. not given us a spirit of fear. I thought there's going to be a physiological shift in my brain because truly at about 40 days, if you stop using a well-worn path in your brain, let's say the narrative is I'm fat or nobody likes me. Um, you you really, that changes your physiology. If you put a mm-hmm. road close sign there, in about 40 days, your brain will delete that pathway because it's no longer useful. So I, I just imagined that. So I, ret- I traded fear with God is good. His promises are true. And he will always make a way for me. Now, here's what happens in your brain. It's, it says nerves that fire together, wire together. So you have an experience then you have an emotional response to that experience. If you keep responding emotionally to that reminiscent experience, that gets hardwired in your brain and you start to misinterpret things that aren't even true because of how it's hardwired. But if you, if you pair the experience with a truth, suddenly then you're not as triggerable. So every time the symptoms would come, my default would response would be, God is good. His promises are true. He will always make a way for me. And as things started to settle down in my symptoms, and then they flared a little bit without even trying, I'm not kidding you, a couple months later, instinctively, a smile formed on my face. And I went, oh, yeah, 
God is good. His promises are true, and he will always make a way for me. Mm. So I put these at the end of each reading. The readings are short. I'm hoping they pack a punch, and I'm hoping that they give you just so much joy because I'm making a case for the goodness of God. But then the the declaration and the retrain, you just find a few that that you can latch onto that are life to you, and let those be your declarations. You don't have to memorize every one, but find those that speak to you. There's one in there that says— the curse is broken. No, the cross is broken. The curse is broken. Jesus has set me free. Mm. You find a few like that, and you literally declare them over your life. And I want you to hear, friends, this is not name it, claim it, but what's true, science has found out, they're catching up with faith, that when you say things, when you even pray things, it sparks a physiological, neurological, chemical reaction in your body. Mm -hmm. So if the story you're telling yourself berates you, condemns God, uh, you know, keeps you in the smallness of your circumstance, there are physiological implications to that. So to, to get the want to in your spirit to say, my word, he has given me his presence, his promises, his provision. I, I've seen the end of the book. We win. I am passing through. Yes, I'm behind enemy lines, but I am equipped to win. And when you start to speak those things over your life, literally, you will feel the shift in your spirit and in your body. I just want to say hallelujah. <laughs> that's what that's doing for me right now. All right. Well, Thank Susie, you. I, I'm in one of your chapters right now. I just happened to flip open to uh, several of the faith declarations at the end of each devotional day. And I wanted to share this one because, again, it's not name it, claim it, but you are declaring scripture over you on a regular basis. And that can't help be a benefit. I just wanted to share this one. It's a faith declaration that says, because of Jesus and in Jesus' name, I am healing. I'm an overcomer. I have a God-given purpose, and I live with eternity in mind. And the brain retrain is I am practicing hope today. So it's Mm -hmm. your devotional on hope. And I think that that can't help but be a benefit for us as we're moving through life. And there are some things in life that we have to strategically reject and some that we have to accept. So walk us through that process. Yes, I'm glad that you circled back to that because I forgot to answer that. I got a little bit on a roll there, so sorry about that. No, don't <laughs> but, be. Uh, <laughs> strategically accept, strategically reject. It's that it's a reading about what we allow in and what we command out. And I opened with a story about sitting with a friend over lunch. She was talking about some hardships and relationships, and then something happened in her thoughts. Uh, the server came, and I, I was answering the server, but keeping an eye on my friend, and I watched her brow furrow, I, her jaw clench, her fist clench. And I'm like, what just happened just now? Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm like, no, something just happened. And she's like, really, I'm good. And I'm like, I don't think you are. And when she started to open up, she started to retrace her steps, and her thoughts took her right into the ditch. And we talked together and reminded ourselves of who God is and what He has promised in this difficult situation. And it was like in in a matter of moments, she was back to faith, hope, and love. And, you know, somebody once said we're only five minutes away from the emotional ditch of despair, and that's true. But I would say we're five minutes away from mountain-moving faith as well. And so we have to truly um, rise up with our yeses and nos and declare what you're going to allow um, in your heart and in your mind and what you're not. I mean, I, I have one um, one reading called Slay Your Inner Critic, and that inner critic is this composite of the enemy of your past failures and hurts and your future fears, and it's berating you. But you know, a house divided can't stand. You have the Spirit of God in you. The Spirit is enough to confront and convict and you know correct you. You don't need yourself editing yourself all the time. So I would say strategically evict. Um, 
there's only room in the house for one, and you've got the Holy Spirit. So strategically evict the inner critic. So I just ask the Lord to show you, what things am I passively accepting? What things am I passively rejecting? Because when you're not like standing on your actual identity, um, in your identity in Christ, God may bring the best gifts to you. Because you're in fear, you're going to miss them. Because you're in insecurity, you'll shrug your shoulders at them. And you will passively reject incredible gifts from God. Mm. So as we engage our hearts to go, I need to know who I am so that when God brings the gifts that he has for me, I see them for what they are. And I think that's extremely important, but it calls for heart engagement. Okay. So uh, Susie, as you're talking about this, I went and I looked up the day, it's day 10 for Slay Your Inner Critic. And here's the faith declaration for that day. Because of Jesus, the cross is spoken the curse is broken. Jesus is alive and I am free. Mm, and I just love that statement that if we believe the truth and we say it over and over again and have that permeate our thoughts, it can't help but change our physiology. That's just so true because we are forgetters, much like the Israelites. You know, we berate them for their wandering ways, but we are just as prone to wander. Mm. And we, we tend to forget. And Scripture is, says to us over and over again, remember, rehearse, meditate. You know, in Psalm 145, it says, I will give examples of your power. Let all of your works praise you. To me, this calls for an all-in engagement. And I'm telling you what your day, your perspective, and even your physiology will change when you set your eyes upon the goodness of God. He has no rival. He's not uninterested in your story. He doesn't ever lose your address, and he's working every detail out for your good and for his glory, and you can trust him to do that. And, you know, I I think of my husband. I've been married to him 30, almost 39 years. He's a gentle giant. I always call him an oak of righteousness. He's just steady as can be. And if someone were to tell me they saw him, you know, at McDonald's and he hauled off and punched somebody because they butted in front of him in the line. I would say, you got the wrong man. I I have zero doubt. I mean, I know you got the wrong man. Well, the Lord God wants us to know him so well, but when the enemy comes in to accuse and build a case, we can so easily say, you got the wrong man. I know my father. I know my God. And you're absolutely wrong about him. I have a history with him and I have a future with him too. But that only comes, you don't, you don't get there overnight. That comes from a lifestyle of relying on and meditating on his goodness. You've been hearing from Susie Larson in the name of her book, Waking Up to the Goodness of God. Susie, thank you so much for these just gems of wisdom that you have shared with us this morning. Well, I want to thank you for the way you guys work and the way you steward your platform because you're doing a great job and always honored to get to be with you. 